registering here, you'll get direction and instruction how to get online and purchase your ticket. And so it's a simple process. You go to Hillside Christian Fellowship, uh, hdfclackamas.org. Hey, looky there. We have Lance and Sarah here from Montana also serving in the armed forces. Will you guys stand up real quick? Thank you, guys. Yeah. Amen. That's epic. Who knew? It must be like Thanksgiving week or something. That's awesome. So you can go to hdfclackamas.org, and at the very top it says Men's Conference. You just click there. It'll take you right to an Eventbrite site, and you click, and you can order tickets right there online. And uh, you can get tickets at the door, but it really helps us prepare if we have all the men just get their tickets in advance. So you'll be being made contact with if you signed up in the front just to encourage you to go and get your tickets. And again, uh, I would invite you to buy two tickets so that you can invite a friend as well. That would be great. I invite you to turn in your Bibles with me to Genesis chapter 13. This morning our text will be Genesis 13 and 14 as we walk through the Old Testament. Thank you, Pastor Matthew, for filling in for me last week. I was down in California visiting my family. We had an early Thanksgiving down there, and it was uh, marvelous. I got to travel with my son John, and uh, all of my family was there, my brother and my two sisters. And for those of you who know us uh, a little bit more, you know since my mother passed away nearly nine years ago, there's been some strife uh, amidst the family members. And it's a terrible thing when you have brothers and sisters who have the same faith but live in strife with one another for, for lack of a better way of saying it, for ungodly reasons. And so I, I mention that to say, by the grace of God and by the love that he has bestowed in our hearts, there was a very redemptive work that occurred. And so I'm very, very thankful to have seen such love abounding and the sorrow that was experienced for the loss of the years uh, since my mom passed away. But I say that to say, and I'm, I want to speak to your hearts for a moment, and I think perhaps Pastor Dennis may have said something last week, maybe Pastor Matthew did, but we are living in very interesting days. And there is division in the midst of the body of Christ because of some things that are happening on a political level. And there is a tremendous amount of things happening in the news. There's a tremendous amount of stuff happening in social media. And people are being both offended and being offensive. Brothers and sisters in the Lord. And this ought not be. This ought not be. So I want to challenge you and encourage you if in the midst of this whole political scene that you would set aside your earthly politics and you would put the kingdom of God first. And the kingdom of God is ruled with a principle and the law of love. And the law of love is always without condition. That we would not place artificial conditions 
on our brothers and sisters and that we would set aside those things that really are passing away. The Bible encourages us and reminds us that the things of this world are passing away and the lusts therein. This world is passing away. Let me say that again. This world is passing away. This is not our home. Our citizenship is in heaven. And we are eagerly awaiting our King and His return. And so let's, can we be a people that are more kingdom-minded than we are earthly-minded? Would that be okay? You may need to ask someone their forgiveness. You may have said something. You may have hurt someone. You may have been offensive. And for the wrong reasons. But will you be wise and follow the prompting of the Spirit of God? You may be praying this week. And while you're praying, maybe it'll be on Tuesday morning. You wake up Tuesday morning early and you seek the Lord. And while you're seeking the Lord there, you remember that your brother has something against you. Will you obey the Lord and leave your gift there at the altar and first go be reconciled to your brother? It may be that they, they need to ask your forgiveness. And you're the one who's reminded of it. That'll make for interesting conversation, won't it? But you know what? If we are kingdom-minded, we can handle a healthy, loving reproof. Amen? Amen. It's imperative as the body of Christ because we are we're rubbing elbows with one another. And in the midst of rubbing elbows, we can kind of be sandpaper sometimes. Anybody here not need some sanding done on your life? Right? There you go. We all need some sanding. So let's lovingly receive. Does that make sense? And it's okay, it's okay for us to agree to disagree sometimes. But let's not let that get in the way and hinder the work of God. Amen? Amen. Think about this for a moment. People on the outside of the church are watching us. And if we're fighting amongst each other, where, wherein is the power for living? Wherein is love? If it's not working in our midst, why would anyone on the outside want to come into our midst and be a part and seek the Lord? Right? We need the love of God. The powerful, not the form of godliness denying the power, but the real, tangible love of God working in our midst. Working in here. Listening and if he's convicting your heart, will you say amen? Amen? Amen. Well, that was a little commercial I didn't intend to have. There you go. So, Frank mentioned that today our text is a type, if you will, or a picture of two lives contrasted. The righteousness of one man and the righteousness, if you will, of another one who has an impact and has had an impact on us all, and another who has 
had little or no impact except that which was on his own self. We're talking about Abraham and Lot. And I don't want to go too deep into the story. I think it's first helpful for all of us to recognize that even as James tells us that the prophet Elijah was a man with a nature just like ours, Elijah the prophet was a man with a nature just like ours. I'm talking about the same Elijah who prayed 33 words and fire rained down from heaven and consumed an offering. I'm talking about the same Elijah that was caught up to the throne of God to heaven in a whirlwind. A chariot of fire came and he stepped on it and was taken up to heaven. He is a man with a nature just like ours. Abraham is a man with a nature like ours as well. And he is a man who believed God and his believing in God prompted him to operate in the light of faith. He wasn't operating with that which he can see. He was operating his life based upon a promise that he could not see. He believed God and God credited it to him as righteousness. Now then, let me preface our study with Abraham very quickly in that Abraham is like us. And the text in Genesis may not fully point or pull out all the detail. We can go into the New Testament, which Abraham is referenced 74 different times in the New Testament. One of the young evangelists of the first century one of the young theologians of the first century, it would behoove us to listen to his commentary on the Old Testament. You can read it in Acts chapter 7. For Stephen, the first martyr of the church, gives the doctors of the law, the Sanhedrin, the Pharisees, an education on the history of the call of God and the nation Israel. And it's there that he points out, and I reference this just to kind of put us all on the same page for a moment. He points out that God had called Abraham, and Matthew eloquently, and under the anointing of the Spirit last week, gave a phenomenal message about the call of God about the call of God in all of our lives. But in that call, he was called into a promised land. Stephen points out, even as he was called out of his father's house, he first traveled through Mesopotamia up to the land of Haran. And it was there in Haran that they delayed until Terah, his father, died, and then he traveled to I point this out simply to say there was what could seemingly appear as a delay in obedience. 
Anybody here identify with delayed obedience? That puts us on that human term. We might hear something from the Lord, and we in our natural self oftentimes will put up excuses as why that doesn't apply to me today. But Abraham believed God, and he obeyed the Lord. He did travel by way of Haran, and there was a delay. Interesting to note, Terah, his father, his father's translated name means delay. And for Abraham, it appears that there was a delay in that obedience. You'll note also in the life of Abraham, his own internal conflict in terms of his life after the Spirit and obedience under righteousness and his life in the flesh. I think that's something that you and I can all identify with. As followers of Christ, we find ourselves now in this conflict between obeying the Word of God, obeying Jesus, who in fact is the Word of God, obeying even the commandments contained within the Scripture that Jesus said are not burdensome. Principle amongst them, loving God. How many of us would like to get that right more often than not? Loving our neighbors. How much more we need that working in us, right? So this conflict between obeying God and obeying our flesh. And today in our text, we, we have this contrast played out for us between two men. Abraham and Lot. But I want, I want us all to be at least minimally able to identify Abraham is a man like us who also had conflict, but his overriding life and the maturity in time in his life, he obeyed the Lord. And that is a challenge for all of us. No matter how long you've known the Lord, would be to come into submission and obey that which the Lord has already revealed and the things that he is ongoingly revealing to us. Does that make sense? Okay. So that being said, uh, Abraham, we won't go into the details. Come back on Sunday evening tonight, and we'll cover chapters 12, 13, or excuse me, 13, 14, and 15, and you'll get a little bit more detail. And yes, I said that I was actually going to be able to cover three chapters in a Sunday night. For those of you who are regular, you know the impossibilities associated with that. All right. That being said, chapter 13, we'll read the first 12 verses, and then I'm going to be referencing other portions of Scripture. Then Abraham, or Abram, let me stop there for a moment. I will probably use the full name Abraham. God changed Abram's name a little later down the road, and we'll talk about that when we come to that in our morning uh, sermons. But uh, if I call him Abraham, I'm referring to Abram presently. I'd like to be as disciplined as possible, but I will make that uh, error, I'm sure. Then Abram went up from Egypt, he and his wife and all that he had, and Lot with him to the south, 
Abram was very rich in livestock, in silver, and in gold. And he went on his journey from the south as far as Bethel to the place where his tent had been at the beginning between Bethel and Ai, to the place of the altar which he had made there at first. Now let me stop here for a moment. Abram is coming out of Egypt. There had been a famine in the land of Canaan. This is another one of those possible fleshly responses to circumstance. There was a severe famine in Canaan, and even though he had the promise of God, he went down into Egypt. Egypt, idiomatically, is a type of the world. And in Abraham's life, it could be construed that he was turning to the world for his provision. Can anybody here identify if that, in fact, is what transpired here? Where we turn, like, for instance, maybe you're here today and you need more income. Well, it may be that you need more income. It may be that you need less debt would be an indicator of operating in the flesh I want, so I go and buy the something I don't have. Right? But our perception is I need more money. So sometimes we're driven by that, and we turn to the world, and we look at even the job that God has provided for us, and we're dissatisfied with it because we believe now, based upon our circumstances, that we're worth more money. So we approach our work very differently. In fact, sometimes, because we think we need more money and we deserve more money, unwittingly and unknowingly, we pursue another employment or another job without perhaps the direction from the Lord. Am I making sense? This is a very natural response, and let me tell you, very pragmatic. I'm a guy who can analyze circumstances and I can start checking boxes, dotting I's, crossing T's. And I know that God has given us common sense, but that doesn't negate the fact that we should seek the Lord first. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. It's high time that the children of God begin to wait upon the Lord and let the Lord direct our lives. Can I get an amen? Amen. So here he's come at, he's making his way back from the south back into the land. It says there Abram called on the name of the Lord. You might highlight that in your Bible. You'll note that this is a regular practice that Abram did. He made altars to the Lord and he called on the Lord. Lot also, who went with Abram, had flocks and herds and tents. Now the land was not able to support them, that they might dwell together. For their possessions were so great that they could not dwell together. And there was strife between the herdsmen of Abraham's livestock and the herdsmen of Lot's livestock. And the Canaanites and the Perizzites then dwelt in the land. 
So Abram said to Lot, Please, let there be no strife between you and me and between my herdsmen and your herdsmen, for we are brothers. That might echo with my comments just a few moments ago about us being brethren and not having strife between us. You see the wisdom of Abraham here? Let there not be strife between us. There's more important things that are at stake. Hey, listen. We live amongst the Canaanites and the Perizzites, if you will, and they're watching. If there's strife in our midst, again, you see the little application there? It, it, it certainly carries on. Okay. Is not the whole land before you? Verse 9. Please separate from me. If you will take the left, then I will go to the right. Or if you go to the right, then I will go to the left. And Lot lifted his eyes and saw all the plain of Jordan, that it was well watered everywhere before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt, as you go toward Perez. And Lot chose for himself all the plain of Jordan, and Lot journeyed east, and they separated from each other. Abraham dwelt in the land of Canaan, and Lot dwelt in the cities of the plain and pitched his tent even by of Sodom. Father, in the next few moments, as we look into the perfect law of liberty, the word of God, I just my prayer is today that we would we would grow in faith, we would be encouraged in our faith, and we would be inspired. I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Quick summation of Lot's life. Quick. He lifted up his eyes and he beheld. He saw with the eyes. I'll make a general statement here. This is not always applicable even in the word of God, but principally. If we live by what we see, we are not living a life of faith. is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of the unseen. Does that make sense? I think so. So we want to be people of faith. It is interesting that the portal of the eye, our vision, is oftentimes where temptation will come our way. And we must be at least aware of that. It is interesting that orally speaking, in our ear, we hear. And it is acute to me that in the book of Revelation, with the seven letters to the seven churches, at the conclusion of each of those seven love letters from the Lord Jesus Christ himself to the church, he says, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. Present tense. Spirit of the God. He, Spirit of God, he is speaking up to us to be listeners, okay? So he beheld. He chose for himself. It is interesting to me to note that it, it qualifies that the plain of Jordan, well watered like the garden of God, in parentheses there. How do you suppose they knew what the garden of God was like? Some renderings of the genealogies would have Noah 
still alive unto Abraham's 58th birthday. It's very possible that Noah, who lived prior to the flood, had information likely because his father was still alive when Adam was alive, Adam being the one who walked in the garden of God. Could have told Lamech, Noah's dad, Noah, getting that information from his father, carrying it into the new world, if you will, and that information being shared verbatim from Noah to Abraham. That possibility exists. Sometimes people will say, well, you know, things were transferred generation after generation after generation in the Bible, and that's why we can't trust the reliability of the Word of God. When we overlaid the genealogies, we discovered that it wasn't very many generations that things could be passed down. And these truths, we find that in some cases, it was a single generation, that it was eyewitness accounts that were actually being given. That's fascinating to me. So, but he chose for himself, he saw something that in his own mind he thought, this appears to be like the garden of God. Chose for himself. Then he departed, and he went and he dwelt in the plain. He pitched his tent toward Sodom. He dwelt near Sodom. Later we find that he was not only near Sodom, he was actually in Sodom in a brick-and-mortar house in Sodom, and he sat at the gate of the city, which tells us that he was a councilman of the city and a judge in the city. Chapter 14, which we didn't get to yet, but he will uh, be abducted by a war that goes on between nine kings, Abraham will come and rescue him, and nevertheless, he returns back to Sodom and takes up residence there. Now, he is recorded as having a vexed soul in the book of James in the New Testament, and there was righteousness there. He himself was vexed by the wickedness of the people in the cities and the surrounding towns of Sodom and Gomorrah. But his righteousness didn't far. Now, Abraham and Lot contrasted. Let's consider this. Abraham walked by faith. Abraham walked by faith. He was able to say because, and I believe that it is because he was living based upon the promise of God. There's wisdom there for you and I. We can base our lives upon the promises of God. We need not live by that which we see, that which computes on paper. We live by faith. God's promises are yes in Him and amen in Him. Amen? He said, Lot, if you choose the left, I'll go right. If you choose the right, I'll go left. There's a generosity that goes with faith. He could be generous because he was a man of faith. He wasn't basing provision. He wasn't basing livelihood on that which he could see. He was basing it upon the promise of God. The promise of God. I would submit to you this morning that that holds true for you and I. You and I, we can be people of generosity. Can I get an amen? Not our God in heaven. 
commandments. It's his character. And if we live by faith, we can live generously. Generously. Jesus said, if someone asks you for your coat, do what? Give them your cloak or your tunic also. If you're asked to go one mile, go two. Give to the one who asks. And don't give with the expectation of the receiving back. He says, when you invite someone over to your house for a meal, he says, invite someone who can't invite you back. Wouldn't that be a great practice that Jesus put into play? Just inviting folks into our homes, hospitality and loving on them, not with any expectation of repayment. I think that's just marvelous. So he walked by faith. Lot walked by sight. He lifted his eyes and he looked and he beheld and he chose for himself based upon what he saw. Abraham, generous, I'll use the word magnanimous because it came up in our staff meeting this week. Generous and magnanimous. Lot seemed to be somewhat greedy and worldly. Abraham was looking for God's city. Lot lived in the city and built a permanent home in the city. You'd note that Abraham lived in tents. The writer of the book of Hebrews in the New Testament reminds us in the 11th chapter, verses 8 through 10, that Abraham and his sons lived in tents where they were looking for a city whose builder and maker was God. No permanent address. Can I suggest to you there's important lessons in there for you and I? This is not our home. We are seated with Christ in the heavenly places. Our citizenship, Paul reminds us in his letter to the church of Philippi, is in heaven. Abraham is the father of all who believe and walk by faith. Lot is in a perpetual infamy. You know, Lot's saving, if you will, out of Sodom and Gomorrah and a number of chapters down line that we'll cover in the weeks to come. He was rescued and he spent his days post-Sodom with everything he had destroyed and he lived in caves, in a cave. And the story gets worse. Terrible story. Apparently Lot's daughters thought there were no men left who would sire children for them. And so they intoxicated their father and had incestual relationships, the eldest daughter one night and the younger daughter another night, both of which became pregnant and the Moabites are the result of the eldest daughter and the Amorites as a result of the younger daughter. These two later, when the law is given, the Jewish nation is forbidden to intermarry with them. It's in the law. The people, uh, not a good reputation, if you will, and very worldly. The Moabites were 
idol worshippers rested at least for a moment just for a few moments. Abraham is the heir of the world, Romans chapter 4 will tell us. Lot, again, dwells in the caves, as Genesis 19 reveals to us with his possessions. So, a couple of things for us to consider. And I just looked at, here's just five quick things for you and I. Five quick things, five quick statements. By faith, Abraham, or Abram, he believed God and lived trustingly chapter 6, a couple of the guys that were following Jesus said, what must we do to do the works of God? And Jesus responded in verse 29 of John chapter 6. He said, the works of God are this, to believe in the one whom he sent. Believe in the one whom he sent. <laughs> How relieving for you and I. The work of God is simply this, to believe in him. Jesus, to believe in him, and to walk by faith. And in believing him, our obedience to him will become the natural overflow to love God and to love people. That's epic. Oh, God, help us to believe. Help us to believe. So, Abraham believed. And he lived trustingly. Are you trusting the Lord today? Are you trusting the Lord in your circumstances? When things don't seem to work out for you, do you begin to fret and start biting your fingernails? And, oh, how, how is this going to happen? Panic. And it creates undue stress on our lives so that when someone says something to us, we bark at them. And we, get, we get tense. Parents talk to kids wrong. And display wrong faith and trust. Brothers and sisters talk wrong to each other. We're short. Our shoes. How many of us have used the phrase, well, my shoes is a little short today. Things aren't working out. And the drivers on the freeway made it worse. <laughs> we come up with excuses. <laughs> I got an amen. <laughs> That's funny. live trustingly. Trust in God. We have the promises of God. Let's believe God and His promises and walk by faith, not by sight. Secondly, by faith, believing God, Abraham lived obediently. Again, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 8, by faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out of the place which he would receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. I don't know where I'm going. He believed God, and he moved obediently. And I suggest to every one of us here today, it may not all make sense. Can you trust God and obey? How many of us remember the hymn, Trust and Obey. There is no other way. Trust and obey. May not make sense. You may say, well, they're not very lovable. And that's not what God says. Right? If you're hearing they're not very lovable, who are you hearing? You're not hearing God. In fact, God says they're so lovable, I died for them in their place. 
And if I can do that, you can surely win. You can surely win. Okay. So, trustingly, obediently, uh, by faith, believing God, Abraham lived temporarily. What I mean by that is, he didn't live for the things of this world. He recognized and put things in their proper perspective. Did he still have to go get water? Did he still have to feed the animals? Did he still have to go get food and victuals for the table? Did he still have to have a roof over his head, a tent? Yes, he did. He did those things, but he lived by faith, and he lived temporarily with things in proper perspective. We're told in the New Testament to be rich toward God. Not to store up treasures on this world or on this earth where moth and rust destroy, but rather store up treasure in heaven. Yes, we cannot take anything with us. I recognize that, but we can send it there ahead of time. That's the reality. It's true. It's true. as in a foreign country. Let's live where we are as in a foreign country. We are aliens. We are sojourners. And we're waiting for our king to take us home. Right? Where we'll get our permanent residence, if you will. God help us. Okay. Two more things, and we'll be done. By faith, believing God, Abraham lived I want to encourage you the next in this portion of scripture in chapter 14 uh, Abraham and we are introduced to a mysterious character and I say character not in a character but as a person in the Old Testament Genesis 14 we're introduced to Melchizedek the king of Salem and the priest to the most high God only three people in the entirety of humanity from the ethnos of every people group that have ever been both king and priest. Melchizedek, Jesus Christ, and every believer. We are called a royal priesthood, a holy nation. We are called kings. We are kings and priests under the Most High God. Fascinating. He paid a tenth of all he had to Melchizedek. People ask the question about tithing all the time. Is that a New Testament practice or is that an Old Testament law practice? It's both. It's both. Tithing was before the law. Tithing is part of the law. And tithing is after the law. Generosity. Not ours. It's his. Simply giving it back to him. And it really is not for, God doesn't need, does God need any of your money? Does God need any of my money? He doesn't need any of it. He doesn't need any of it. The tithe isn't for him. The tithe is for us. Helps us hold loosely. Right? Puts things in perspective. But anyway, I don't want to belabor that. Uh, who let Lot choose? Go left or go right? 
You know, after he saved Lot and he plundered everything from the king, call it King Cheddar, Cheddar Lo Amer, and uh, they got all the stuff back and they had all the possessions of Sodom. And the king of Sodom says, look, just give me the people, you keep the stuff. Abraham said, I don't want any of this stuff. I don't want you to say that you made me rich. We'll let God do that. We'll let God do that. He gave it all back. That's generosity. He wasn't looking at what he could see with his eyes. He wasn't possessive. And finally, by faith, believing God, that Abraham lived worshipped fully. Worshipped Almost everywhere Abram went, he built an altar to the Lord, and he worshipped the Lord. So five things for you and I. We should walk in trust. We should walk in obedience. We should walk in, I'll call it, I'll use the word temperance. We should walk in generosity, and we should walk in worship. If you're struggling in any of those areas, when you talk to the Lord about it, he will help you. He will help you. If generosity is a thing for you, talk to the Lord. If obedience is a thing to you, stop disobeying and obey. That's up to you. That's up to you. Some people say, well, God changed my heart. Now, how about you just decide? Can God change your heart? Yes, he can. Will he? No. He gave you choice. Disobeying, stop. Repent and stop obeying. Is that simple? It's that simple. But it is. It is that simple. Trust the Lord and worship the Lord. I invite you to stand with me this morning and by way of closing, I thinking about a life of worship. I'll leave you with this this morning. I just want you to know how good I did too. It's 11.31. <laughs> we did it. Riker didn't even have to remind me that it was time. <laughs> Here's the thing. Here's the thing. Romans chapter 12. The Apostle Paul encouraging the believers in Rome encourages us. He said, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your lives living sacrifices, holy and acceptable to me. For this is your reasonable service. This is your spiritual worship. Offer your lives as living sacrifices. 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, 365 days a year. A life of worship. Worshiping the Lord is loving him through obedience. Does that make sense? Lord, help us. We're going to close in a word of prayer, and we'll be dismissed in just a few moments. If this prayer is for you and to be included, I just want you to agree with me as we pray, and we'll, be, uh, we'll receive the Lord's benediction. Father. We come in the mighty name of Jesus, and we thank you for the word of God. We thank you, Lord, for two examples, a life of faith and a life of the cross. They're an example to us that we might learn. Your word tells us that these things happened and were written down for our admonition. 
that we can learn from those who lived before us. We can look at their lives and say, I want to be more like Abraham, and I want to be a whole lot less like Lot. Lord, will you help us to be men and women of faith, to trust, to believe in the one whom you sent, Jesus Christ, who is the word of God. May we come and simply believe and live trusting, trusting in you. Help us to live obedient to that which you call us to, that which your spirit is prompting us in our hearts. Thank you that your spirit will never contradict the word of God. So we have assurances in even the voices that are speaking on the inside. We can know. Lord, help us to live in a lifestyle of worship. Lord, trusting, yes. Obedient, yes. Temporary in relationship to this world, yes. Generously, yes. And ultimately, a life of worship. Thank you for Abraham's example. His life was altered. Lord, may our lives also be filled with altar moments. And may you change us from glory to glory into the image of the only begotten Jesus, your Son. We love you, Lord. We ask your benediction today. Go before us, make rough places smooth, and may we see people come into the kingdom of God. Thank you, Father. We ask your blessing and benediction now in Jesus' mighty name. And all God's people said a strong amen. Amen. Go in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior. Have an amazing week. Come back, 6 o'clock tonight, chapters 13, 14, and 15. God bless you.